This is Missed Connections, a story about people experiencing homelessness and their path to reconnection with their loved ones. Listen to learn why no matter where you are and what your journey in life has been, you will always be someone's somebody. Hi, this is Miracle Messages. Who can I connect you with? I love you to death. I want to see you. I want to hold you. I want to kiss you. I miss you so much. I just want to be near you. I just want to put my arms around him and hold him. I would like to say that I miss you, that I love you, that I know that I haven't been the best of brothers, but uh, I would like to be brothers again. I just want to be in your life again. I'm not doing so well right now. I don't know what's going on with the family. I don't know what any of you all are, and I feel so hurt. I'd like to see you all again, if only for a little while. Please, this is a miracle message. On any given night, there are 567,717 people experiencing homelessness, defined by their lack of housing. But solving the problem isn't as simple as a roof over one's head. I never realized I was homeless when I had lost my housing, only when I lost my family and friends. This is Kevin, the CEO and founder of Miracle Messages, who since 2017 has been working to tackle the issue of relational poverty the loss of connections and relationships to others that underlies homelessness. He's remembering what Jeffrey Gottschall said to him, a man who, after years on the streets, reunited with his sister. Reunions. It's a novel approach to the homelessness crisis that Kevin is all too familiar with living in San Francisco. Why reunions? It started by listening to people on the streets that there's this relational poverty aspect of homelessness that no one is addressing. People are complex. If you don't have a a lifeline, if you feel unloved and unattached and lonely, that's not just an emotional thing. That could be a physically devastating thing. And yet with people experiencing homelessness, it just starts with, hey, let's give this person $1,000 and a roof over their head. Sure, they need that. But if we, as human beings, really want to get other human beings to care as much as we care about our friends, We have to start by building and rebuilding relationships. By understanding how people connect, Miracle Messages has worked to recognize people experiencing homelessness as more than just homeless, but rather as a whole person. In effect, teaching us how to care. How do you go about facilitating these connections? If a person experiencing homelessness tells us that they want to reconnect with a loved one, they'll give us four pieces of information. Information about themselves, information about the loved one that they want to reach. Then they'll give us some context. That was Jess, co-founder and executive director of Miracle Messages. And then the last piece is a message, whether that's an audio message, a video message, or written message. We want to be able to relay a message on that person's behalf to their loved one. Somebody goes from not being able to reach family or friends to having agency in how they want to communicate with their loved ones. Among Jess's many responsibilities, she's the organization's case manager. She's been a part of nearly every reconnection 
Miracle Messages has facilitated. As we proceed through our interview, she shares a reunion story and responds to each question, reliving moments that she promises she will never forget. She gives me two names before she signs off, Wayne Cornett and Ellen Perry. My uncle's incredibly thankful. Miracle Messages saved his life. So one is my uncle on my father's side. I grew up in the same household with him until I was about eight years old. This is Jasmine Cornett talking about her uncle, Wayne Cornett, who was homeless for 19 years. I asked Jasmine about what she remembers about Wayne from when she was younger. He was in and out a lot. My uncle has history with drug use. He also has a history with mental illness. So between unrest, mental illness, and drug use, those are very clear indicators of someone not saying stable. It's not until we're well into the interview that I muster up the courage to ask Jasmine why Wayne left. For drugs, when you have little to no money in your pocket and you just ask for a BART ticket, it doesn't usually take you anywhere good. He was unstable and had ups and downs with anger. At that time, you have to let someone go and live their own life. He was an adult, so there's not much we can do. There was a lot of time that I, while living in San Francisco, would go and kind of walk around different neighborhoods. I would go to different police stations. I would leave my business card. We were trying to look and we filled out missing persons reports. We did know that Wayne spent a lot of time in and out of local and county jails between San Francisco and LA County. Jasmine's family had been searching for Wayne all the while, nearly finding him once. We actually found out that he was in LA once and he was getting out of jail. And the day that he was getting out of jail, my aunt was trying to go and meet him there. He didn't want to be found. My aunt flew all the way down to LA and yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't ready. I learned that if someone does not want to be found, they have the choice. I was frustrated that he didn't want to connect with us, but it's someone's choice. After a missed connection with Wayne and 19 years of searching, loosely tracking his whereabouts through jail notifications, miracle messages entered the picture. Okay, walk me through how you reunited with Wayne. A team with miracle messages walked up to my uncle right around the Pell Street BART station in San Francisco. They approached him with the usual miracle messages intro, which is, hi. The final question each volunteer asks is always, who do you want to reconnect with? He said his mom. Hello, Ma. I've been locked up a while Two years, I got out for a little while, and then they locked me back up for another year. And I was going to see if I could find you. So I was at work and received this very, very emotional message. And I just asked my manager if I could leave and go find my family. 
And within a 15-minute span, I was out on the streets, and, and we found him. When Jasmine arrived that day at the BART station, it was Wayne who was the first to break the 19-year silence. He was the first person to speak. The first thing he said was, I'm sorry. I asked Jasmine if she recognized Wayne when she saw him for the first time in nearly two decades at the BART station. I knew him by his eyes. We all have very similar eyes. I knew him by his eyes. This next reunion is a little different. After 15 years of separation, Ellen reconnected with her childhood friend, Debbie. Ellen was experiencing homelessness during this time, but it was Debbie who reached out to Miracle Messages. Debbie had submitted a request probably a year before we were up and running actually doing uh, the Find Them cases. That was Mark, a private investigator who has worked with Miracle Messages for several years, helping consult on difficult reunions. He's talking about a relatively new facet of Miracle Messages, Find Them reunions, where loved ones reach out to find people who are experiencing homelessness. How did you and Ellen know each other? We went to the same high school together. We met in jazz class and we were both in the band and we became fast friends. I was an only child, so she became almost like my sister in those tough high school years. This is Debbie, who after years of short moments and misconnections with Ellen, was able to reunite with her best friend for one last time. We became disconnected in our late 20s. We had distance separating us, but she started dating a gentleman who was into cocaine. And that caused a rift in our relationship because I saw her going downhill and I tried to rescue her. Years later, Ellen's brother reached out to Debbie, sharing an address for his sister. Oddly enough, they were both living in Florida at the time. So I got out my map and I figured out where to go. I just drove up there, no phone number or anything, and knocked on the door. I caught her off guard, obviously. Uh, very happy to see me, but she, things weren't very good. She had a, a baby sitting in the bathtub because she had no diapers. She didn't have any food in the refrigerator. And she had another toddler running around the house and her boyfriend or husband wasn't there. We sat for a few minutes and then I went out to the Publix, our local grocery store, and stocked up her house with diapers and food and everything I could think of to buy. This was the first of a few short reunions that the friends shared. Jasmine's experience with Wayne was a missed connection because he wasn't ready. Debbie's story with Ellen isn't much different. Did you continue searching for Ellen after that? I would go to the local places down here in Fort Lauderdale where I heard that she was and I had a picture of her. Every time I passed a bus stop with a homeless person, I would look, really look into that person's eyes as best I could to see if it was her. And 
I never, I never found her. And one day I came across Miracle Messages and submitted the information that I had. A couple years later, I got a phone call from Mark. He said, were you looking for your sister, Ellen Perry? And I lied because biologically, I'm not her sister, but in my heart, we were sisters. And we connected via phone. I got her contact information and it was amazing. I couldn't believe it. I couldn't believe it. I found Ellen. Years had passed, but the time had melted away. You know, it's like they say, you can have a good friend and not see them for years and then just reconnect. We didn't skip a beat. Why do you think it took 19 years for Wayne and your family to reconnect? What kept him from reaching out to your family? I do know since Reconnection that he dealt with a lot of shame, being shameful about his past, being shameful about what he was going through, and being shameful about incarceration versus situational poverty versus on and off of drug use. So I think at some point he just felt that his shame took over. Shame can keep people away. For Ellen, the story's a little different. She did not know that anybody was looking for her. And when I asked why, why she didn't look for us, she didn't really answer. She had a cell phone. You know, we live in the world of the internet. She's a smart person. I think that if she wanted to reach out, she could have. This is my opinion. I think that she didn't because she was kind of embarrassed of the place that she was in. I think it was pride, you know, it was a matter of pride. When you first reconnected, did you ask about the time that you were separated? No, <laughs> no, not going to go there. Even since then, we don't talk much about his past. We try and focus on the here, the now, and the future. I didn't want to place blame. I didn't want a story around the whole how we got here. I wanted it to be, I found you. How are you? How has your life been? Not how in the hell did you end up where you're at? Because it really doesn't matter. We found her and now we can start fostering a relationship from here and move on. The reconnection is only a part of the story. The rebuilding of a relationship is the resolution, which takes much longer than a single moment. This is something I learned from Jasmine. What happened after you reconnected with Wayne? We focused on getting me in a usual cadence with him. On the back end, I was working on where can he get a shower? How can he get a shower? How can he get a haircut? So there was a lot of logistics. Obviously, at that same time, we're asking him, do you want to stay on the street? Do you not want to? None of us could have brought him into our homes. They may be family, but his past is so uncertain that we couldn't 
Chanson. So that was the hardest time. The hardest time was knowing that we've connected with him and that he's still living on the streets. <laughs> and at any night, something could happen to him. Eventually, after several nights of heavy rain, Wayne asked to find a place. The search for a home began, and there was one thing in particular that Wayne wanted. He had very strict guidelines he wanted to go off of, which was a place that had a zero tolerance for drugs. When Miracle Messages found Wayne, he asked to reconnect with his mother, Jasmine's grandmother. But Wayne wasn't able to reconnect with her as she had passed away a few years prior. They were close. They understood each other better than any of us understood my grandmother. (laughs) They had a a special bond. So to know that a, a mother had to pass on without knowing where her child was, was hard. After the reunion, the family felt a sense of closure. I was happy that my grandma could be happy in her grave. If that's like a very weird and spiritual way of thinking about it, but yeah, my my grandma's now can rest peaceful. I'm speaking to Jasmine in July 2020. It's been two years since Wayne reconnected with his family. He's living in stable housing and is in regular contact with his family. Tell me about who Wayne is since he reconnected. He loves to listen to music. He likes to go for walks with the dogs and hikes with the dogs. He likes to cook. He likes to work out. He doesn't talk much, but when he does, he'll ask, how are you? He genuinely cares, and I like that. He constantly reminds like, be a strong female and be a good person. Since reconnecting with his family, many things changed for Wayne. He has a lot of PTSD. There is a transition from being in constant fight or flight and constantly sleep-deprived and malnourished that is going to take time for him to get out of Jasmine honestly admits that at times it can be too much for her, and she has to take a step back. We talk a lot, but then if he starts kind of getting anxious, or if I kind of see the PTSD coming, I'll ask him to end the conversation or I'll end it. There are many times where he will get in a tizzy, like get on a rant about something, and it'll I'm very sensitive and it will scare me a little bit. I will tell him, like, oh, I'm going to have to take some time. He still sleeps with some sort of a weapon next to him, underneath his pillow or next to him on his bed, because he still thinks that someone's going to harm him in his sleep. I later asked Jasmine if she thought she or her family could have done anything to prevent the disconnection. No. His path in life needed to happen and there's nothing anyone could have done to stop it. Jasmine and Wayne have worked hard to rebuild their relationship, realizing that seeing each other on the steps of the train station and reuniting wasn't the end of a long story, but the beginning of a new chapter. Wayne, after nearly two decades, has reconnected with his family. He's clean, and he's working to better his mental health.
we couldn't have done it without Miracle Messages. And we're very thankful. My uncle's incredibly thankful. Miracle Messages saved his life. What happened after you and Ellen spoke over the phone after all those years? It was really quite a night. After that call, we set up a time that I was going to go meet her for lunch. I learned that she had become disabled. So she was using a wheelchair and she also recently had surgery. So she wasn't living on the streets. She was sharing a, a trailer while she recovered. So I went and I picked her up there and we went to a local restaurant. We had a great lunch. We had great time catching up. I was able to put her back in touch with her brother. I also would put her in contact with some of her kids. I met up with her a few more times. I remember the last time I saw her, she had run out of her inhaler and she had to use that a lot. She clearly had bad lung problems. A little while after Debbie and Ellen had reconnected, Debbie had to travel for work. And while I was out of town, I got a call from her brother. The message was that she died. At a later point, I asked Debbie if there was anything she wished she could say to Ellen if she had the chance. She said she got the chance because of miracle messages. I'm so glad we found you. You have so many people that love you. We've been looking for you. How can we help? How has your life been? Tell me about how it's been. And she was right. Ellen was truly loved. Debbie held a memorial service honoring Ellen shortly after she passed away. At the church service, I talked to a lot of people there and they shared with me many stories. This whole thing was eye-opening for me. There were homeless people in the church with their shopping carts with all their possessions. And I invited people to come up and share stories about their relationships with her. And she was very involved with that church. She would play the piano. She wrote some songs that they sang. And most of the stories involved how she helped others. It was just really serendipitous to make that connection when we did. And a month later, it, it would have been too late. I'm so grateful. I am so grateful. As sad as the situation is, it's equally wonderful because she got to talk to her brother and most of her kids and me. <laughs> And we have closure now. I, I would have still been looking for her for the rest of my life. In this story, Debbie shows us what connects us to one another is something that can be lost but found again. And the ability to accept that lost time and move on is a powerful source of strength. Ellen was homeless, but that was only a part of who she was. And despite what she did or didn't have, she worked to better her community and appreciate her life. Wayne Cornett and Ellen Perry, two names and two distinct stories. Over 400 reunions with distinct stories, but the ending is the same. 
a reconnection with the renewed sense of agency. Missed connections and lost memories turned into new beginnings for relationships that are given the chance to be rebuilt. I've recorded nearly every interview in the same room, a queen bed to my left, the ensuite of a bathroom sink behind me, while I sit in a white cushioned chair. When I sign off of my call with Jasmine and then Debbie, I think about how a bathroom and a bed would have helped Wayne and Ellen. I know it would have, but that's not the point. Homelessness is not just an issue of housing. It's about not having a support system. By reuniting with their loved ones, Wayne and Ellen found themselves accepted and loved by people from their past. Just remember, each person belongs to someone. Each person is part of a bigger story. In September of 2020, Wayne Cornett passed away. After two decades on the streets, he reunited with his family and spent two years rebuilding those relationships. Wayne's life and his family will be celebrated for years to come through the Always Caring Award, established by Miracle Messages to honor the love and acceptance that the Cornette family embodies.